Hello and welcome to Paperweight. Paperweight is a three-part miniseries where comedians write funny stuff based on a theme and perform it for a live audience. This is episode one, and our guest is Maeve Higgins, who tells us all about the first guy who ever asked her out. I'm your host, Sarah Esikoff. Here's the show. I'm your host, Sarah Esikoff, and today's theme is teens. <laughs> we're talking crushes, we're talking prom, and to be honest, we're talking goblins. <laughs> Just all those awkward teenage moments that we've all experienced. <laughs> With me today are usual writers who I will introduce using their high school roles. <laughs> she won third place in a theater competition for her adaptation of Annie Hall, Emily Pass. <laughs> you know I didn't. <laughs> he organized a concert at a retirement home just so he could sing Danny Boy, Paul McCartney. I sounded really pretty. <laughs> and finally, she was first chair cello and very closeted, Keelan Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the president of Knitting Club. <laughs> also with me is a very special guest. She's the host of the incredible podcast, Mave in America. She's a co-host on Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. She's one of my favorite comedians in the world and performs Aww. all over New York and elsewhere. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> please, please welcome Maeve Higgins. <laughs> I was going to open with a question about your work, but you did just say that you have $200 in singles on you. <laughs> I know, I feel so powerful. I, I went to the ATM next door and got out $200 because I'm moving house today. And I wanted to get like a tip for the movers. And I got out $200 that came out in singles. I don't know why. And then I was so baffled. And it's the weekend, right? So the bank was not open. But there was a man who I thought was a security man standing at the front. So I went up with this big book of cash <laughs> and I was like, sir, uh, do you work here? And he turned around and he was just a poor homeless man <laughs> in the doorway. And But I was halfway into my story and I was like, I just got $200. <laughs> It won't even fit in my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, sorry, I actually don't have any to spare. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> it's just that I'm moving into a bigger apartment. <laughs> I need to tip the men. Um, yeah, it was the worst. I don't think I can give that to the guys as a tip, right? I think, uh, that would be torture. I think you should hide it you around the apartment. <laughs> like scavenger kind of thing. Like really earn it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it becomes a magic mic situation. <laughs> <laughs> so you are the host of the podcast Mave in America. Right. And you also sometimes co-host Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. So my question is, which is better? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I'm definitely more intelligent and uh, educated <laughs> and like, um, charming than Neil deGrasse Tyson. So I, no, I mean, I've mentored him for years. <laughs> it means a lot to me to see his little show broken. <laughs> I love Star Talk, actually. I listen to it. Like, I don't know about you guys. I mean, I know that you do listen to a lot of podcasts, but like, I don't often listen to ones that I'm on. 
but I do listen to Startup because I miss a lot when I'm there <laughs> because it's usually like a comedian co-host and like our job is to kind of ask questions that the audience would ask maybe the non-science audience and so you know Neil is the host and then there's usually another science guest who's like super clever and often has like a lot of dense information to impart so I often have to listen back again and then I'm like mm-hmm. oh Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I also see. part of being like on as a host, you can't quite listen to everything everyone's saying. <laughs> you just have to... Okay. <laughs> yeah. Paul <laughs> No, it's true. And I mean, sometimes you have a producer in your ear and stuff like that, just being yeah. like, you know, change your accent or whatever. Um... <laughs> What's the coolest thing you've learned doing Star Talk? Oh, um, I was really into... I actually did like a off of Star Talk, they have like a show called All Stars and Carolyn Porco hosted it and she worked at NASA for a long time and she's an amazing scientist and she worked on the Voyager spacecraft which are like the furthest man-made objects from us now like one of them is in interstellar space so learning about like how the Voyagers were made like there's more technology in my iPhone now because it was in 76 I think so just hearing about like all these amazing scientists and then they also put the golden record on the Voyagers, which is like a kind of time capsule with photos etched into it and music and greetings from around the world. Cause they were like, it's, it's pure seventies. Like it's yeah. so seventies, like, like Carl Sagan. And, uh, and they just sent it into space. And they were like, if an alien life form finds it, like they'll be so advanced. They like know how to use a record. <laughs> and I, I love thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah, they have different hosts, like they have different astronauts and different scientists hosting it, which I think is a really cool thing that Neil does too, because he gives people platforms that might not otherwise have a platform. And I think that's a really generous, cool thing for hosts to do. Yeah, which you also do on Maven America, because it's not always like entertainment people. Oh, so, right. Yeah. yeah, no, totally. Um, my next question is, what were you like as a teen? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just highly sexual. No, I was <laughs> I was like the same as I am now, but I wasn't comfortable with that. So like, I think I was actually the same, but I like didn't know how to express that or to be the way I am now. But I was just like a, you know, in that um, Men in Black, mm-hmm. when like the guy gets like, he inhabits another body or something. He's like, he's like, hello. Like, his skin is all like bubbling and stuff. Uh, I was like that creature. <laughs> cool, Classic. <I> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's like a lot of nodding going on around the table. I think we can all relate. Totally same. Okay, let's go back in time to our teenage years. Our first piece is from Keelan Ryan, and it's about something that will be familiar to many of us. Getting ready for a school dance. How to get ready for the school dance when your only friend is a goblin. (laughs) You've made a banging playlist, picked out an amazing dress, and taken down the embarrassing Mario Lopez posters in your room. There's one thing standing in the way of you hosting a perfect girls' night before the school dance. Your only friend is a goblin, and you are terrified of her. (laughs) Here are some do's and don'ts on how to throw the perfect pre-dance hangout for one human, you, and your goblin classmate, Clarice. (laughs) Do. Invite her inside. (laughs) Goblins can't cross the threshold of a house (laughs) without an explicit invitation. So be sure to send a formal invite. 
If you forget, she will have to shapeshift into a mass of bats in order to gain entry. And while the mass might be able to figure out a way to help you zip up your dress, it's not worth the risk of rabies. <laughs> also, the bat thing is scary as hell. It would be a deal breaker, but Clarice gives amazing boy advice because she's been alive for centuries. <laughs> Don't give her alcohol. She will melt. <laughs> Spare Clarice the six-pack of PBR begrudgingly purchased by your brother, Todd. <laughs> Instead, treat her to some hand lotion. <laughs> While this would be literal poison for a human to drink, for a goblin it functions like alcohol in that it is just poisonous enough to get them tipsy, they love it! <laughs> While you are nauseated by the visual of Clarice gulping lotion, <laughs> you know she'll be there to hold your hair at the end of the night. That's what friends are for. Don't get bangs. <laughs> You're panicking over your look and suddenly think, should I get bangs? <laughs> Whatever you do, do not ask Clarice to cut your hair. <laughs> Human scissors were not designed for goblins, and though I'm sure Clarice will try her best to fit her five thumbs into your mom's beauty shears, <laughs> she does not possess the steady hand or general knowledge of what human hair is required for the job. <laughs> She's used to dealing with her own hair, which is seaweed, and the skills don't translate. <laughs> the seaweed thing really freaked you out when Clarice first transferred to your homeroom, but hey, we all have things about our bodies we like to change. <laughs> you dislike your occasional acne, and Clarice hates that she can never find shoes that fit her enormous hooves. Oh well. <laughs> Do have fun. <laughs> High school can be awkward, but your friends will ultimately help you survive it. That's why people like Clarice are so important. Even though you are scared shitless of her, you know she would immediately and gleefully dismember anyone who tried to cross you. <laughs> friends forever, because she will never die. That's so funny. <laughs> Truly relatable. Right, what you know. <laughs> If you guys had to guess what you wore to your ninth grade dance, what would it be? I can tell you what it was. <laughs> okay, so it was a combination of Abercrombie and Fitch, obviously, but also a very odd combination of like brightly colored clothes from the now defunct brand Oi Lily. Which, oh. <laughs> oh, I heard I a gas. That <laughs> those, like, um, those are like toddler clothes. Oh, yeah, yes. that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely what? right that, oh, like, a bright yellow cargo short? Yeah. Owned it. <laughs> a graphic tee with a smiling sun? <laughs> Rocked it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm gonna need photos. <laughs> so we have a bit of a special segment on this episode, which is that a couple of us brought in actual writing that we actually wrote in high school. <laughs> So I'm going to start just to get this mortification over with. <laughs> These are you some... guys were not ready. <laughs> <laughs> These are some poems yes, that I wrote yes. in middle school, sixth or seventh grade. And this page of my high school notebook at the top just said short poems. <laughs> as though that day I was like, I'm going to write some short ass poems. <laughs> um, so there are four of these. One. Imagine if the world was covered in nothing but bleeding hearts. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. <laughs> I wouldn't care. 
Oh, snaps. Snaps for poetry. Snaps for poetry. Thank you. Thank you. Pulitzer Prize winner in the making. Yeah. Okay, number two. Someone once told me that parasailing was the closest thing to flying. So, why don't we just fly? <laughs> why don't we? I like these because they have the same format as, what if the hokey pokey is what it's like? <laughs> okay, number three. This is the worst one. Someone drowned a worm and said, it's just one worm. Someone cared about that worm and said, you're just one human. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you right now that my like, my like vegan grandmother like would send me that in an email. She'd be like, she'd be like something to consider. <laughs> Feel free to pass it along. <laughs> and finally, number four, the human condition doesn't make anyone's hair shiny. <laughs> I never thought about it like that. Yeah, that, <laughs> that one's a thinker. <laughs> so look forward to a couple more uh, similar pieces later in the uh, afternoon. Reading those made me remember what an absolute nightmare I was, but our esteemed guest, Maeve Higgins, has a very different view of her teenage self. Oh, <laughs> This is from my book, and it's called I Can Totally See Why My Parents Loved Me. <laughs> Guys, I wrote a book. I just want you to know that. <laughs> what's it, what's it called? Keep mentioning that book. What's it Plug called? It. It's just uh, called... I've written two books. <laughs> <laughs> this is called We Have a Good Time, Don't We? Okay, so I can totally see why my parents loved me. Something about standing alone in a hairnet and a paper thong, waiting for my spray tan to dry, made me realize the truth about the first boy that ever asked me out. <laughs> my regular beauty therapist, I don't think you guys say beauty therapist, but that means like the lady who spray tans you and like does your nails. I love it. Um, but I like the term beauty therapist. Like, that is what they're doing. Like, my sister is a beauty therapist. do provide emotional support. They well. definitely do. My sister Rosie is a beauty therapist and she's always like, I've got some such a headache because I was massaging this woman who's in an unhappy marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so my regular beauty therapist is a tiny kind lady who talks all the time and makes eye contact even when she's doing something unspeakably personal to me, <laughs> which somehow makes those bizarre rituals seem perfectly normal. She was, thoughtlessly, away on honeymoon when this incident occurred. <laughs> I was in trouble with the new beautician as soon as I arrived because my back was sweating and she'd had to reapply the tan there twice. <laughs> I told her not to bother that I wasn't planning on wearing any backless gowns that night, but she tut-tutted and said I shouldn't have run on my way to the beauty shop. I said I had had to or else I would have been late, but she said that would have been better. <laughs> she said... It would have been fine if you were a few minutes late rather than arriving here sweating and now the tan won't take. <laughs> Generally, I think sweating is really good. It means you're doing something, not thinking about something or thinking about doing something, actually doing something. In my boxing class, my partner once apologized to me for sweating. I reminded her that that's actually what we were here for. <laughs> and then I hit her with an especially hard uppercut. <laughs> I couldn't punch the beautician, though. <laughs> I just apologized for almost a full minute over the hiss of the tan gun. 
Although I couldn't help feeling that as someone who frequently waxes men's balls, she seemed unduly upset by such a harmless bodily function. (laughs) Eventually, her professionalism kicked in and she said, oh, it's fine. You'll just have to wait a bit longer for the tan to dry. I made a note to not go back to that salon again, and it was as if she read my mind because she left me standing in my vertical plastic beauty coffin without a magazine. A pure punishment. (laughs) That's when I remembered what happened with John Fitzpatrick. He was the dreamiest bad boy in first year, which is, I guess, grade seven. Everything he did was cool, including having crutches. Now, (laughs) it takes a certain sort of hero to make something so intrinsically weak into something that everybody wants. (laughs) It must have been like the first time Tupac tied his bandana into those little bunny ears. (laughs) Nobody laughed at him. In 1992, crutches became the biggest status symbol there was among 13-year-olds on the island of Cove. John smelled like smoke and he reigned supreme. The boys wanted to be him and the girls weren't exactly sure what they wanted to do with him, but they wanted to do something to him. (laughs) It involved getting rescued by him and then somehow achieving a state of euphoria and then the other girls being jealous but respectful. (laughs) For the first few weeks of secondary school, everybody jostled for position and I couldn't figure out where I should land. Everything was huge and different compared to my primary school where I'd never been in a classroom without at least two of my siblings. <laughs> I wasn't making friends as easily as I thought I would, maybe because I was almost completely devoid of any shred of self-awareness. My parents had successfully tricked me into thinking that I was, in my mother's words, an exotic butterfly. <laughs> my father talked a lot about how pretty I was and how I'd break hearts when I grew up. Looking at photos of myself from that time, I see a smiley chubster with a crew cut and headgear <laughs> who spent her free time writing overly personal letters to political prisoners in East Timor. <laughs> I can totally see why my parents loved me, but I was far from an exotic butterfly. One break time early on in the year, John's best friend Philip approached my table. He was a classic wingman, small, devoted, funny, usually in a mean way. (laughs) He said John had asked me if I'd get off with him, which is like, kiss him. John wanted to kiss me. I reacted with a scandalized, oh, no, I don't even know him. (laughs) But my heart was pounding. I looked for the girls I'd been eating lunch with, but they had vanished. That didn't bother me. This new school was playing right into my hands. Everything was falling into place, just as my parents said it would. (laughs) A month into my first year, and the most popular boy in school had asked me to get off with him. It was like clockwork. (laughs) I watched as Philip went back to the huddle around John and told him the bad news that I said no. This was followed quickly by a roar of laughter, and I shook my head. They were cruel friends to poor John, laughing at his rejection. Well, he'd have the last laugh, I decided there and then, because I would kiss him. (laughs) I would wait until we were officially going out together, and I would totally kiss him. That particular day preceded an incredible two-month period, during which John sent not only Philip, but a number of the boys in our year my way, with various requests. John wants to know where you get your hair cut. John said, will you meet him downtown after school? John said, he can't believe you keep saying no. Will you please meet him? They meant meet, meet, as in kiss. He sure was persistent. I batted away the requests. I think the official term is playing hard to get. But really, I wanted to arrange things with John himself. But he was always surrounded by people and he never made eye contact with me. I added, actually really shy, to my list of his attributes. And I made made a plan. 
My big idea was to get to talk to him alone, see if he wanted to come to my house and listen to Bob Marley and maybe help me wash my father's car. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The beauty therapist zipped in for a second, pressed her fingertips on my shoulder and said, still tacky. (laughs) I could hear her talking to her co-worker outside and I tried to make out what she was saying, but I couldn't. Beauty therapists talk in low, reassuring tones, like volunteers in a hospice. (laughs) (laughs) I was just in one class with John, geography. He was often sent outside the door for bad behavior. It's a funny theory teachers have that if somebody is annoying, you should put them out of the room. The student is really happy about it. They miss out on their education and they come back in as brazen as ever. But the teacher just doesn't have to look at them for 10 minutes. And I guess that can make all the difference. (laughs) One sleepy Tuesday, Mr. O'Shea caught John drawing vaginas on Philip's notes and immediately sent him to the corridor for 10 minutes. (laughs) I made my move. (laughs) I asked if I could go to the toilet. Mr. O'Shea gave me a pass, an oblong piece of wood made by some of the dozier children in woodwork class. I hated holding toilet passes and gripped this one in my sleeve, thinking about all the germs on that piece of wood, living their lives and loving the filthy hands of adolescence. (laughs) It was worth it, though, to spend some time alone with the hottest brat in Cove. John was leaning against the radiator, looking annoyed and totally handsome, his crutches on the ground. He didn't notice me. I leaned on the radiator beside him and sighed. My sigh meant... Oh man, I hate this planet. (laughs) All these bullshit fakers. Sometimes I think I'm the only one who gets it. But maybe you get it too. You and me, we get it. (laughs) Now you may ask me out. (laughs) John just studied the carpet tiles and time stretched out. Eventually I said, Mr. O'Shea is such a pain. And John finally looked at me and said, did you get kicked out? I said, rolling my eyes, yeah, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Then he saw the pass and he smiled in a way that I didn't understand until 16 years later, as I stood still tacky in a tanning booth in Dublin. Just like that, I was floored. One humiliation often recalls another, but why the hell did it take me all these years to realise that John Fitzpatrick was actually being a classic bully? Throughout my entire teens, he was the only person who had asked me out. I sometimes wondered about that, but I hadn't clicked until that moment that it was all a big joke. I wondered if the gap between how I perceived myself and how others perceived me was still that wide. Was there some link between that gap and this crazy ritual I was putting myself through this very day? What was I doing, paying a stranger dressed like a nurse to colour me in with a gun? (laughs) I felt sorry for myself and I also felt furious. I'd imagine this is a very common combination of feelings in beauty parlours around the world. (laughs) Hot tears pricked my eyes, but I didn't cry because that would have left two tracks of paleness down my face (laughs) and gotten me into more trouble with that damn beautician if she ever came back. Thank you, guys. now <laughs> oh you know Fitz i know Patrick. where he is actually oh. yeah i mean two years ago i know where he is he had a bad life oh. but i didn't curse him or anything <laughs> i like i didn't like put a spell on him <laughs> to have a bad life but he he fell into like addiction and oh. it was in trouble still cute though <laughs> so this next piece is about a different aspect of getting ready for a dance Finding Someone to Ask You, and it is by Paul McCallion. (laughs) 
Okay, so this is a choose your own adventure. So we've asked Maeve to play this little sure. choose your own adventure with me. So we really appreciate it. This is called, it's the 90s. Can you get Joey to ask you to prom before he comes out to you? <laughs> Sigh, just another day as an unpopular teenage girl in the 90s. You lie in your stomach on your totally rad canopy bed, face in hands, staring at your corded telephone, hoping Joey will call. <laughs> Who's Joey? Um, only your best friend, who just happens to be your biggest crush. He's sweet, tall, wears tight shirts like Ricky Martin. <laughs> and you both saw AV to the opening night at the town drive-in. <laughs> he said he would call you tonight after rehearsal for the musical, but Willie? Bring, bring, right on cue, the phone starts ringing. Okay, so you have two options. Okay. Option one, pick it up, pick it up! Or option two, wait five seconds, play it cool. <gasps> oh, definitely wait five seconds. Okay. And can I add one thing? Yes. Eat an apple while you're talking to him. <laughs> like, so you just like, seem like busy and bored. <laughs> you're getting the tips here. <laughs> Any teens listening? You just... <laughs> Listen with a pen and paper. Target demo, baby. <laughs> okay, so you chose option two. Wait five seconds, play it cool. Mm -hmm. You count to five on your fingers. You pick up the phone, but suddenly disaster. You hear your mom on the line downstairs. No. Talking to Joey. You Slut. scream, mom. <laughs> <laughs> you scream, mom, get off the phone into the receiver. You hate when mom picks up the phone when Joey calls. Somehow he's like, Weirdly good at talking to moms. <laughs> He's like, best friends with everyone's mom. <laughs> no, whatever. Your mom complains, but hangs up. It's just you and Joey now. Sorry about that, Joey. My mom's such a ditz. What's up? Oh, not much. Joey seems a little thrown. Like he was going to say something, but then mom ruined it. You've got to get this conversation back on track. Ooh, bring up a fun shared memory. Okay, two options. One, remember that time we saw Dreamgirls at the community center? Or option two, remember that time you, me, and Brian went camping that weekend? Where is Brian anyway? You guys haven't spoken since that night. You know, when you shared a tent. <laughs> oh. Okay, one or two? Definitely two. Two, okay. Definitely two. All right, let's go to option two. You jump in with a memory that's sure to make the convo flow. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking about that time you, me, and your other best friend, Brian, went camping in the woods. You guys were such gentlemen for letting the lady have the big tent. It must have been so cramped in that tiny tent you shared that starlit night. <laughs> How is Brian anyway? I haven't seen you two hang out since then. Joey hesitates, then replies. Brian and I aren't really talking right now. We had a big fight. He sniffles. Is he crying? Oh. OMG, he's so sensitive and brooding. <laughs> you guys are totally meant for each other, like Daniel Fischel and Lance Bass from NSYNC. <laughs> Uh-oh, while you were fantasizing about Lance Bass, you realize it's been silent for like 10 seconds. Say something. So option one, well, forget about Brian. How are you doing? Mm -hmm. Or option two, you know, I bet Brian will be at prom. <gasps> That's coming up, isn't it? Oh my god. <laughs> Definitely ask Brian go to prom. Okay. <laughs> we're going with we're going with okay. option two. Yeah. Okay. You know, I bet Brian will be at prom. That's coming up, isn't it? You tentatively broach the silence. Maybe you'll see Brian at prom. He's going with Megan. Duh. Ugh. 
Megan is so lucky to have a boyfriend. Except <laughs> Megan says she and Brian haven't done anything yet because Brian wants to wait until marriage. <laughs> <laughs> He's just not that into you, sweetie. Some girls are so naive. <laughs> <laughs> and prom's right around the corner. Speaking of, have you asked anyone to prom yet? There it is. Cards on the table. Your whole body goes cold. You pull your fave designer cardigan, Ashley Simpson, for wet seal. <laughs> over your blouse. Something seems to dawn on Joey. His love for you? Probably. <laughs> you know what, Katie? You're right. Brian will have to talk to me at prom. That's it. That's how I'll win him back. Um, win his friendship back. I think Joey has a stutter. Totally adorbs. <laughs> Say, Katie, would you go to prom with me? Um, yes, Joey, you shout. I mean, I think I'm free. I gotta go, but I'll totally see you in school tomorrow. Bye. You did it. You did it. <laughs> Joey asked you to prom, and you gave him some great advice about his best friend, Brian. You're going to prom with Joey, your sensitive best friend who loves musical theater. What could go wrong? <laughs> A, a you perfect flawless. Yeah. A perfect streak. We didn't even Beautiful. get to hear Joey come out at all. <laughs> so many different coming out He scenarios. comes out in all the other options. <laughs> He's staying in the closet for now. I Mike Pence your story. <laughs> Whew. Um, after prom, the hardest part about high school is applying for colleges. And Emily took her process extremely seriously. <laughs> so seriously. I was really in touch with myself and wanted to make sure I made the right decision about college and which one I wanted to go to. So I took extensive notes about the pros and cons of each college I saw and made little spreadsheets <laughs> with the title called pros and cons with a Z <laughs> for all of them. So this one I found to be particularly insightful into how much of an asshole I was. <laughs> and it's about Vassar College. So here we go. Pro. B-E-A, beautiful. <laughs> Literally spelled out like that. Con, boy-girl ratio. <laughs> Pro. Library of the gods, really. <laughs> Con, politically slash socioeconomically heterogeneous. <laughs> Pro, open curriculum. Con, in quotes, hipsters. <laughs> Pro, Anna St. Vincent Millay and Elizabeth Bishop are alums. <laughs> Which, keep in mind, other alums of us are like Meryl Streep. <laughs> Anne Hathaway. <laughs> I was really one of those high school students who thought, like, I'm just too smart for my current environment. <laughs> like, I'm going to thrive in college. <laughs> okay, Con, this is possibly the best one. Energy slash je ne sais quoi lacking. <laughs> How can something be lacking if you don't know what it is? <laughs> Pro, pianos everywhere. <laughs> Con, straight guys think they are the shit, more so than usual. <laughs> so perceptive. Most of my like college thing was like, how much D will I get at this school? <laughs> All of this stuff about academics is there secondary. Was a, there was a formula. 
number of pianos weighted equally. <laughs> how much D am I getting? Yeah, how much D could I get at this college? <laughs> um, pro, intern in New York City. Con, tour guide, sweet but not vibrant. <laughs> And this is, this. I'm so amazed that this landed in the pro column. At Vassar, they call their like little ID cards V-cards. And they're like, I sweat my V-card. And I put that in the pro side. <laughs> Even though, to me, that like ensures that I would never get my V-card swiped and would be a virgin forever. So, somehow... My 18-year-old self got into college, like, outside of being this much of an asshole. <laughs> so I'm realizing that almost all of these pieces have been about school dances, but this one is at least from a different point of view. <laughs> <laughs> and it's mine. Yes. You're a school dance chaperone. How close will you let a child's dick get to another child before you intervene? <laughs> They're at it again. <laughs> Jeffrey Bunce is grinding with Marissa Steinberg. Right in front of you, the teacher whose job it is to just stand against the wall and look at them. <laughs> How did you get talked into chaperoning the ninth grade dance again? Just this afternoon, Jeffrey was a child in your English class. Now he's shuffling his pubis toward another child's body. <laughs> you know you have to intervene, but you want to put it off as long as possible. Come on, look for a distraction. Oh good, Jane Kramer is coming over. Jane thinks she's mature because she'd rather talk to a teacher than join the grind chain. <laughs> but really, she's just a nerd. Jane is saying that sometimes she reads ahead because she just can't wait to see what will happen next. <laughs> cool, Jane. <laughs> At least you don't have to deal with Jeffrey. Maybe Mr. Matthews will step in. It's been a war of contrition with him all night. Let him pry Jeffrey's clammy little hands off of Marissa's teen waist. <laughs> You'd rather make small talk with Jane Old Soul Kramer <laughs> than get between two horny freshmen. Oh no, Mr. Matthews went into the hallway to stop a bunch of boys from trying to drink body spray. <laughs> now Jeffrey is worming his tongue into Marissa's barely bat mitzvahed mouth. <laughs> You let this escalate, and now you're going to pay for it. It's a good thing the music is so loud, because otherwise you'd probably be able to hear Jeffrey's braces scraping against Marissa's teeth. Her teeth still have bumpy edges. You know, the way children's do. Why wasn't there a class on chaperoning when you got your education degree? It's so much harder than the normal part of your job, like reprimanding Evan Miller for calling Scout Finch a bitch. <laughs> Remember when all the kids, even the elementary school kids, started saying things suck, as in suck dick, and we just let it happen? <laughs> okay, enough whining, it's time. Jeffrey and Marissa are writhing like eels, but dry. <laughs> You're steps away from them now, and you can see that Jeffrey's hands are creeping up under Marissa's shirt. They do realize you can see them, right? <laughs> that you're right there watching them while they touch each other's sides? <laughs> you lean in, tap Jeffrey on the shoulder, and yell, okay guys, break it up. 
The following morning, Jeffrey Bunce is in your second period lit class. Is he embarrassed knowing that you've seen him shove his teen bulge against Marissa's upper thigh? <laughs> She's several inches taller than him. <laughs> as far as you can tell, he's just drawing Superman S's over and over. How do they do it, these unself-aware, lust-driven teens? Sometimes you wish you could be so unabashed in your desires, so dismissive of society's demands. Sometimes you wish you could be so free. <laughs> that really takes you to a visceral place. <laughs> Sorry, that was gross. I had a nightmare. I got fired for that. <laughs> okay. Finally, we're moving away from dances. We're taking it back all the way to ancient Greece. This piece is by Emily Pass. Yeah. Diary of a Teen in Ancient Greece. Moon, first quarter, year of Poseidon. <laughs> Dear diary, I hate my life. My baby coughed all day. My, hus my husband Alexio sold our goat without consulting me. And my little sister died in childbirth. <laughs> to top it all off, the pimple on my chin won't go away. <laughs> Alexio is totally going to think I have been blighted by the gods and offer me to the sea monster so he could marry someone else. Ugh! <laughs> <laughs> Tried to play my liar in peace, but the baby ruined that too. <laughs> Yours in eternal devotion to the gods, who I hope aren't blighting me, Clytemnestra. <laughs> <laughs> Moon, waning crescent, year of Poseidon. Dear diary, I'm only 14, and yet I have the responsibilities of a 17-year-old at least. <laughs> Turns out, Alexio hasn't actually sold the goat yet. He wants me to go to market and sell it, even though I love it. It's so unfair. <laughs> Alexio is going to the symposium to worship Dionysus with his buddies. <laughs> I hate going to market. It smells terrible, and strange men are always trying to lure me away to sell me as a concubine. <laughs> Today sucks! <laughs> Agonizing in Athens, Clytemnestra. <laughs> Moon, third quarter, year of Poseidon. Dear diary, okay, so the trip to the market was actually amazing. <laughs> There's this new super hot guy working the livestock booth. I started crying when I told him that I was there to sell him my goat. It was so embarrassing, especially since I have a pimple. <laughs> the livestock guy said he understood. He bought the goat from me, but said I could visit his fields on the east side of the city-state whenever I want. <laughs> now I get to see my goat and a super cute guy. I'm so bad. Maybe I have been blighted by the gods. <laughs> Energized by Eros, Clytemnestra. <laughs> Full moon, year of Poseidon. Dear diary, I'm feeling really down. I have yet to begin my woman's bleed, and the moon is full and high in the sky. That means another baby. <laughs> Having babies effing blows. <laughs> They're always crying and sucking on you. Maybe I will join my sister in Hades after this one. 
Honestly, Alexia was so gross, sometimes I wish I could. <laughs> I heard that my old friend Calliope died for the mysterious illness. Who knows what tomorrow will bring, I guess. Being a teen is full of surprises. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd better go. Alexia is freaking out and wants to sell our pig now. Ugh! <laughs> Hankering for Hades? Clytemnestra. <laughs> <laughs> Next, it is time for our best unused headline, which we do every episode. Uh, and this is a headline that one of us pitched that we didn't write up, usually for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> this is from Keelan, and it is, let's not talk about Kevin. <laughs> I had no idea for what that would be. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to the end of our show. <laughs> Amazing guest, Maeve Higgins! Yeah. Thank you, guys. Subscribe to Maeve in America, and you have a new show every Monday at Littlefield, right? Yeah, I'm hosting a show there with two other women who I'm not going to name. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Joe Firestone and Aparna Nancharla. <laughs> Don't you say that. <laughs> yeah, Aparna Nancharla and Joe Firestone. Yeah, it's super oh. fun. <laughs> and once again, our writers are Emily Pass, Paul McCallion, and Keelan Ryan. Yeah. I'm your host, Sarah Essakov. And this has been Paperweight. Thank you for coming out. Yeah. Paperweight was produced by me, Sarah Esikoff. We recorded at Dubway Studios, and our engineer was Sam Palumbo. We were edited and mixed by me and Rebecca Seidel. Thanks for listening. <laughs>